Hello, this is the Weishi Radio Show on 91.8 Hayes FM. Today we're talking about eating disorders and my special guest is Hope Virgo. Now I found Hope because I was, I've was i done a, an event before called Smash Your Scales. Hope's done an event called Ditch the Scales and I thought, well, somebody else is doing something very similar to me and when I looked into her story, she has a lot of similarities. She suffered with anorexia, I had non-purging bulimia but the situation that was the same was that she went to help from her GP and they turned her away because she was the wrong weight. She wasn't skinny enough, slim enough, lower weight enough, ill enough to classify as needing help. Um, The same thing happened to me because with bulimia, out of all eating disorders, most people with bulimia are of a normal weight. Normal in quotes because what is a normal weight and that is only classified by the BMI scale and it's being come, becoming more and more apparent that how wrong the BMI scale is. I mean we already know that people are classified as obese who are bodybuilders so it's not a fat ratio, it's just height to weight ratio and it's BS as far as I'm concerned um, and obviously we are being stigmatised now with our weight whether we're too low, too high, um, if we're in the middle, we are considered normal and healthy and that's not always the case. So I was really excited to ask Hope to come on the show and share her story. And Hope was actually due to come into Hayes FM but sadly couldn't because she was in Parliament. So I asked her how her campaign's going. At the moment I guess yeah the campaign is a huge part of my recovery. I think it's important that people understand that eating disorders aren't just about weight. Yeah. Um, and that you can kind of have an eating disorder and be all shapes and sizes. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that people get turned away when they're not underweight, even when they're mentally really struggling, is a massive frustration of mine, definitely. Yeah. Um, but I developed uh, anorexia when I was about 12. So I lived with it for about four years, keeping it a secret from everyone around me. So I didn't want to talk about it with anyone and got this kind of real sense of value out of having an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed kind of the fact that I had this kind of secret that no one else knew about yeah. and kind of kept me going, kept me motivated um, and was kind of a good distraction from kind of everyday life, family life and kind of all the messy stuff that was going on at that point in my life. And then when I was 16, eventually um, it was picked up by my school and then I went to my GP and then went to the Child Adolescent Mental Health Services in Bristol where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And was there for kind of about six months, um, not really engaging in any of the services, I think. And as I'm sure you know, with anorexia, like it's, you don't, quite often people don't realise they have anything the matter with them. And so for me, I was in kind of this complete denial about the fact I was unwell, that I had an eating disorder. Okay, so you were aware of your behaviours but didn't know that it was classified an eating disorder? yeah. And I think as well, because people, I viewed my body completely differently to how everyone else viewed it. It meant that I thought people with anorexia had to be kind of stick thin. And and I didn't think I looked like that. So I was like, I don't fit the build for someone who's got an eating disorder. Yeah. Um, but then after six months at CAMS, I ended up being admitted to a mental health hospital because um, I was very unwell with the eating disorder mm-hmm. um, and didn't at that point have a choice about whether I was going to be an inpatient or kind of whatnot either. So it was a, kind of a year in hospital trying to realise that actually something was the matter with me mm-hmm. and that 
kind of recovery was definitely the way forward to do things and I think it was really difficult and probably the hardest bit was the fact that my weight seemed to go up much quicker than my mental side of things changed yeah I quite often didn't think people understood that actually I was really really struggling still with food even though my weight was getting to that healthy weight again yeah so it's not just the weight in the beginning that classifies you as unwell it's also the weight that they say you are now well even though you actually haven't had the help with your mental state yeah and I think that's the problem isn't it it's like it'd be amazing in an ideal world that if the as soon as the weight went up your brain started to adjust to it all and somehow figured everything out yeah but that's obviously not how it works and I think it does mean that quite often I think people in recovery really struggle with that particularly when you then start to kind of get on with normal life and go out with your friends and stuff because it's become like a massive part of who you are Mm -hmm. and then you start eating again and people are like oh my god they must be fine now everything must be okay yeah So do you know why you developed the eating disorder in the first place? Uh, So I think it was probably a number of things. I think the main ones um, were I hated feeling any sort of emotion. And around when I was 12 years old, I had quite a difficult family situation going on at home. And I was also sexually abused. And I think it was kind of a combination of those two big things that meant that I needed something to help me switch off from it all. And then... The more I did it, kind of the better I felt. So the more meals I skipped, the more exercise I did, all of that side of things, Mm -hmm. I got this kind of reassurance from it. And then I became, I guess, kind of addicted to that feeling. Yeah. Um, But I think, yeah, I think it's still like one of those things that when something difficult happens in my life, I have to be really careful not to kind of go. Oh, I've lost you there. I think that it's so much better um, it's so much better to kind of find other ways to express yourself, which is what I'm kind of learning, I guess, since my... Yeah, your um, your Skype keeps cutting out. Sorry, you just said, so you're finding new ways of coping nowadays. Yeah, so I think it's about what I've had to learn since recovery is actually like expressing yourself. In a... So when you were told that you needed help from the other people... When did it actually dawn on you yourself that you had a problem with eating? Uh, so I think, um, so one time before I went in hospital, I thought there was something a little bit wrong with me. Um, I went away with my friends after my GCSEs and I couldn't get my head around the fact they were all eating and drinking kind of as much as they wanted to. And I couldn't do that. So I think at that point, I thought maybe something wasn't quite right with me. But the big change for me came when I was admitted to hospital And I did lots of CBT and kind of realizing that actually the way that I viewed myself was completely distorted. And I think that was the massive turning point, actually realizing that there was something not quite right in my brain in that. Mm -hmm. What was life like living with anorexia? Like what was your mindset at the time? To do anything I could to do what that anorexia told me to do. Um, do you feel so like it was body image related? Do you feel like it was body image related, or do you think that came after? I think it, that came after. Um, yeah, I think that's definitely come after, and I think it's actually now something that the body image side of things is something that I probably struggle more with now than I did before I went into hospital. Actually, just because I talk openly about my recovery, and I know that everyone will be kind of looking me up and down and judging whether I look like I've got an eating disorder or not. Yeah. I think that's now something that is probably harder to manage than it was back then, actually. Yeah. Um, but I think, 
yeah, I think it's, I think now because I know how to process it, it's kind of okay. But I think for me, the anorexia did give me this kind of a sense of achievement all the time. And what I really liked about it was that I felt like I could fully rely on it. And it gave me this kind of instant gratification, which I struggled at that point in my life to get anywhere else. Mm. And I think it kind of convinces you that whatever you're doing, you should be doing it for the anorexia and then everything will somehow make sense when the reality is it's a load of rubbish what it says to you and tells you to do. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. Like The last interview that I did was about gambling. And so it was basically addictions and addiction, whether it be drugs, alcohol, gambling, sex, whatever. I really feel like there's a lot of things that relate to eating disorders. And especially when you're in that young brain, your brain's not fully developed yet. And we go for that reward system and it's easier than when you're in such a young brain for it to then become a habit and something that you have to go for. So like you said, you, you felt compelled to do stuff because of your anorexia. Yeah. So then you said you had CBT when you were in recovery. What did the stages of recovery look like for you and, and how did that feel? Um, so the first kind of initial couple of months was mainly focusing on putting on the weight, which was really, really difficult. I think quite often I didn't have, I didn't feel like I was getting enough therapy at that point, actually, which made it really difficult to process what was happening. Um, and then I then, after kind of the first couple of months, I got bits of therapy and carried on kind of with the set meal plans and still living in hospital and then I hit kind of a bit of a plateau in my recovery when I got my periods back um so strangely I'd set myself this goal that actually I really want to have children one day so I was like I have to get my periods back like this is what I this is kind of what I need to aim for but when I event when I got them back in hospital I had this massive kind of panic about it because I was like god I can't believe they're back already everyone's gonna think I'm okay So I had kind of a bit of a plateau at that point and then kind of then pushed through it and carried on kind of throughout the rest of hospital. And then I think after I left hospital, it was quite scary because I'd been so institutionalized and actually learning to live in the real world and manage having an eating disorder and being in that recovery point is a completely different ball game. It's like you feel really guilty when you cook yourself something, whereas in hospital you just got cooked everything. So it was kind of easier in that sense. Yeah. When you're that and when you're in hospital, everyone knows struggling. So when you come out of hospital, you have to start to voice that a little bit more. But I think after I came out of hospital, I had kind of three years at uni. And then after that, actually things did start to get better again. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really think about the anorexia anymore. I felt able to manage what I was eating. I didn't calorie count didn't need to exercise all the time and felt really in control of it actually and barely ever thought about the fact that I'd had an eating disorder Mm -hmm. um but then unfortunately in 2016 I relapsed um kind of having been at hospital for eight years um and that was when I ended up getting turned away from services because I knew what was happening to me and after about kind of four or five months of trying to manage on my own and like really struggling to keep eating and keep going with my recovery Mm -hmm. that was when I really wanted some help um but because as you know the way eating disorder services seem to do things um in England I was sent turned away because there wasn't any support because my BMI wasn't underweight so it was kind of at that point I had this like to make a decision I guess whether I lost loads and loads of weight and got inpatient care or I managed it on my own and I think luckily because I'd had such good treatment in hospital and I've got a good support network around me I was able to kind of manage and get kind of through that relapse on my own yeah 
Um, but I think like for me, my recovery is probably something that is ongoing and I have good days. I have bad days and I have to, I do have to manage it from time to time. And I used to get really stressed out about that and get really stressed out if I had a bad day, cause I'd be really scared that I was getting sick again or something. But actually now I've just realized it's kind of part of the recovery process. So it's interesting though, when you were um, sick and you were getting your periods back and you were worried that people would then say you're getting better now is that because you then felt that you were safe while you were in care and in the help of others having all that support I think it definitely helps I think I did feel really safe in the hospital and I liked having someone to talk to all the time yeah kind of I was struggling um but I think the I think the main thing is is it is like people do think that if you're a healthy weight then mentally you're going to be in a really like you're going to be in a much better place and you're going to be struggling mm. and because I still found it quite difficult to actually express how I was feeling I was just worried that everyone would think I was in that point where everything was okay yeah I'm, I'm just wondering because it's interesting obviously going into therapy to live there like I, I didn't have that experience myself and I know that with eating disorders it's a very solo thing it's something it's almost like self-harm something that you do within yourself and people on the outside don't really know what's going on so I'm wondering what it's like being in a place where you've got all this support and other people around you who may be going through the same things to then coming out and being back on your own again. You could it's be scary. I think I, I did become very reliant on having people to talk to whenever I needed it. The positive of coming out was that there were people that were coming like admitted when I was in recovery and towards the end of my time in hospital who were much like who were obviously much more unwell than I was at that point. And it's hard not to get that competitive nature back with other yeah. people again. So I think in that sense, it was good to get out. But I meet people kind of now through the work that I do in hospitals who are really struggling with the fact that they're in hospital. They then get told they're going to be discharged and then they kind of stress about it so much and worry about getting out of kind of that safe environment where they've lived for a year, two years or whatever and then they don't want to get discharged and they then get unwell again. They then get to kind of stay in hospital or they leave hospital and get unwell again. Yeah. So it's, I think it, I think the problem, I do think the problem with hospitals is that you become so institutionalized, particularly if you're in there for a kind of a couple of months and then kind of beyond that. Is there not another stage of recovery? So once you've come out of hospital, you get ongoing treatment, whether it's counseling, CBT or, or otherwise. Yeah, there is. And I, I didn't have that. Um, so I turned 18 when I was in hospital and just fell through that transitional gap. Mm -hmm. But I do know there is obviously community support available. I think it's just, yeah, I guess it's difficult if you don't, if you're not offered it or you don't get it because of that transition. Yeah. There was, um, there is somewhere actually in, um, uh, Durham somewhere, which just, which just does community based eating disorder treatment. Um, to try and prevent people getting into hospital and the positive with that is obviously people are still living in the community but they're also um, getting they're also getting these people before they get to that critical point where they need to be admitted into a hospital yeah so that whole recovery process will be you'd like to think much quicker for them so you mentioned as well um, there were a few factors um, in, including things that had happened in your past which then led you to get an eating disorder um, obviously then the eating disorder is like the surface level issue and then we get help with the actual eating disorder did you ever then get help with all of the underlying stuff yeah so I covered most of it in my therapy sessions um so in hospital I had one one-to-one -one, uh therapy session a week 
which was good. So kind of discuss kind of all the family stuff, all of the various other incidents that had happened. Yeah. Um, which was really helpful, actually. And I think it definitely gave me kind of a place to process things better and talk about how I actually felt about things. So how do you feel now having gone through that whole process? Do you feel like you've come out a better person than if you'd not had the eating disorder to begin with? Because obviously you've had all this therapy now and these are like tools in a way that you can then use in the future with um, anything that comes up. Yeah. Um, I I wish I had never had one, if I'm honest. Um, I, yeah, I, I hated it. Uh, like when I was in recovery and I still hate the fact that some days... I have that voice in my head telling me like that I'm a failure and that I shouldn't be eating. Mm -hmm. But I think it has also made me a much stronger person and I'm much better now at kind of talking about how I feel. And I think you're right, like because of all that therapy, I'm able to cope in various situations that I probably wouldn't have been able to cope with before. Yeah. And so how do you feel now about things that maybe used to trigger you and do you still have triggers now? Um, I do have a couple of triggers, but not as bad as I used to. And there's things like I don't get triggered by uh, like seeing photos on the internet of people with anorexia or feel like I need to compare myself to those kind of people either. And I don't get triggered when I go into hospitals, which is something that I do quite a lot to work with kind of inpatients on a one-to-one or group basis. Yeah. So I think in that sense, I don't. I think things that I find triggering is things like Christmas. Um, but I don't think that's just a food-related issue. I think that's a whole family-related issue that I just find it very, very difficult. Yeah. Um, and I think I also... Other like things that I find, I don't know if I find them triggering now or just frustrating, but yeah. the kind of amount of people that talk about diets and healthy oh. eating fads. <laughs> I was just going to say, uh, quite a lot of it is society, and even people who haven't had eating disorders can feel um, not triggered, but definitely frustrated around that. Yeah, and it is, it's just annoying, isn't it? Like, when you, wherever you go, you're being told not to have something to eat or to eat this amount of calories or whatever. And it is, like, just frustrating that we live in that type of society where that is just constantly told to us but I think it's like I don't I don't find it triggering I just more find it annoying now Mm -hmm. and do you find because I I found this myself and even like today I had something that just popped up to me and reminded me how far I've come from when I used to have my eating disorder and it could be something like being hungry for x number of hours because I used to really struggle with that and I used to feel like if I'm because mine wasn't anorexia I had um, non-purging bulimia so periods of time where I wouldn't eat and then I would binge eat so I would always worry that if I got myself too hungry that when I then ate I wouldn't be able to control myself and I would end up binge eating so for me now eating in like for example if I just had breakfast lunch and dinner the amount of time that it took between breakfast and lunch I could start feeling myself be hungry and feel like actually it's okay and there's no urgency to get any food I'm not shaking and I know nothing's going to happen I'm I'm okay now you know, but something like that reminds me, look how far I've come because that's how I used to feel and that used to cause that. Do you have things that ha- come up now and it just reminds you how far you've come? Yeah, I think so. So one of them is the hunger thing. Um, so I never used to really get hungry um, and now I do. Um, I, I find it sometimes strange because mm-hmm. um, I'm like, oh my God, I need to listen to my body. I need to have something to eat. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, and I think also the exercise sometimes reminds me. So I... I struggled a lot with it over exercising when I was unwell and it's something now that I do have to manage and be really careful that I'm managing it in the right way mm-hmm. so I think sometimes it's things like that that actually remind me 
like if I have a week where I don't exercise, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I've managed this. Um, and actually over the last kind of six months, I've been challenging myself quite a lot with my recovery. So making sure that I have foods and kind of drinks that I would never normally have let myself have when I was unwell. Yeah. I think that's totally okay to do stuff like that. Um, and kind of trying to, I guess, push my recovery further in that sense to kind of make sure that none of that anorexic mindset is kind of dominating my life. Yeah. And I do, when I kind of do it and successfully do it, I'm always like, oh my God, like even like this time last year, I probably wouldn't have been able to do it. Mm-hmm. So do you believe that full recovery is possible? And what would that look like for you? Um, I think it's possible for some people. Um, I think, I think, and I do know people who have, full, say they have fully recovered but I think for me, it's, I'm not at that point yet. And I hope one day that I do get to that point. But I think it's more about managing it now. But when I do get to that point, I probably would say it's about like being able to go out for dinner and having what I want to eat, not stressing or kind of overthinking food or calories. And then to just completely relax around last minute meals out and not to have to know kind of what I'm going to like, what's on a menu and things like that. So I think a lot of it with my recovery is even when I challenge myself with food, I then sometimes do overthink it quite a bit after yeah. and kind of stress quite a bit about what I've had, um, which is really, really frustrating and it's such a waste of time. So I think for me, recovery would be actually getting out of that space. Yeah. I think what's really interesting when you've had an eating disorder and you've been, or, or maybe have friends as well, like for me in the fitness industry, Um, being surrounded by a lot of people who eat the same so it could kind of go under the radar that me and maybe many other people have got disordered eating or an eating disorder Um, then you really notice when you meet someone who's like in quotes a normal eater and the way that they're just so relaxed around food it's okay if they skip a meal they haven't noticed that they haven't eaten or they've eaten more than you would consider a normal amount at a meal and they're just so relaxed about it and they're so intuitive with their body when they're hungry when they're full and I really feel like like with the intuitive eating as well that because we're in such a, a society that promotes dieting and tells us we should have this and we shouldn't have that and there's so many rules around it we can lose sight of what is actually what our body's telling us because like I'm different from you you're different from somebody else and we all should be eating towards how we are rather than what the next person is eating no definitely I completely agree with that and I think sometimes I do get slightly envious of people who are like that Mm. who are just that relaxed around food and don't worry about it and just somehow know what they should be having every single day yeah, I mean, I believe it's quite refreshing, though, to be around those people, and it can really help it to move you forward in recovery. Yeah, definitely, and I've got, I do have some friends like that who don't think about food at all, um, and it is, when you're with them, it's, it helps me to also fully relax and try not to think about what I eat either around them. Yeah. So how do you feel now about your body image? Uh, so it's quite up and down, actually. So I do struggle with my body image quite a bit at times. Um, I think I I do overthink what I look like a lot um and I have days when I just feel really awful I think for me it's been really difficult coming back from doing kind of two weeks consistent cycling and kind of trying to get back into normal life and realizing that 
can't keep I can't exercise that much every day because it's not healthy mm-hmm. um, and trying to change that and I think as well my body shape has definitely changed over the last couple of years just because since I relapsed I kind of changed my exercise routine and started doing more weights and things like that so I'm like not as small as I used to be but I think yeah I think for me when I have those days when I feel really awful it's just I have to remind myself that the way that I view myself isn't the way that everyone else views me and yeah. so I kind of reassure myself that actually I probably don't look that bad and if I'm a kind of this certain size clothing or look kind of this weight or something actually then what my brain is saying is completely wrong. Mm-hmm. See I, I can totally relate to all of that that you're saying and I really believe that in terms of recovery body image is something that is going to be ongoing forever and that is because we live in a society where the media is always pushing images at us we're always um, shown a certain style of body whatever is fashionable at the time like when you look through the media years and years ago like the bodies have changed especially what they expect of women to look like so there's a lot of pressure on people especially with young people now and with instagram and everything um and the fitness industry what we're told is is the look of health you know and we know that healthy isn't a size or a shape so are there things that you're reading now and listening to to help you? Because obviously you're doing a lot of stuff out there, which I'm going to ask you about in a moment, and you're really helping other people with all of the stuff you're doing. But how are you helping yourself still to keep moving forward in your recovery and you know, self-care, looking after yourself? Um, yeah, uh, good question. Um, so I try and do like a self-care activity once or twice a week, so minimum once a week, sometimes twice a week, which... For me, is anything kind of from going to the cinema to getting my nails done or just sitting at home and watching a movie that I want to watch. Um, so I kind of make sure that I do that every week as a bit of a kind of refueling and recharging. And um, even if it means like yesterday afternoon, I went to the cinema in the middle of the day um, just because I had kind of a free couple of hours and I wanted a bit of me time, which was quite nice, actually. Um I also have uh, a good support network around me, so I make sure that actually when I've done talks that I found particularly challenging or if I've had kind of people contacting me, particularly recently since the petition got debated in Parliament, I've had a lot of other individuals contact me wanting to tell me their stories and I always love hearing from other people, but actually sometimes it's difficult to process and it's hard not to try and fix every single person. So. I'm quite lucky in that sense because I've got kind of people that I can offload onto with things like that. So I make sure that I do that kind of probably every other day. I'll talk to like my mum or my sister about what's come up. Um, And then I always try and make sure that I've got a holiday booked in. So try and go away kind of every kind of two months at least just again to have kind of that downtime. I think I guess because I work for myself it's I find it really difficult to let myself have that time off because um, obviously you won't make any money and you feel like you should always be working. Um, but I'm getting much, I think I'm getting much better now I've been doing it for a year to actually realise how important having kind of other time is. Yeah. And obviously as well, because having had an eating disorder, it's like 99 to 100% of your brain, isn't it? It's taken up with it. And then your recovery and the campaigning and everything you're doing has become such a big part of your brain as well. I guess it's nice to just switch off and just actually be in life and just enjoy living. Yeah, no, definitely. So why are you so passionate about um, changing the stigma around weight? 
Um, mainly because uh, I got turned away from services when I relapsed and I was frustrated by the fact that mentally I was really struggling, but physically I looked fine. Um, and I think that we people have such a distorted view of people with eating disorders that you have to be kind of stick thin and look really, really unwell when actually you can be a healthy weight, you can be overweight and you can still have that kind of anorexic or kind of other eating disorder mindset, which is really, really dangerous. I think as well, we wait till people hit that crisis point before anything's done about it. And it really, that frustrates me probably even more because then people go into hospital and they get institutionalized and then it's kind of like, well, what now? Like it's our safe place. What are we going to do? So what has been the response to your campaigns? Yes, it's been really positive. Um, A lot of people have come forward, um, kind of thousands of people actually, to send me their stories and kind of share what they think about it, which is really, really good. I think it was great that it got debated in Parliament the other week, but I'm at that point where it needs to keep that momentum going. Mm -hmm. Um, And actually, I'm worried worried that people are going to get bored of the campaign and that now it's being debated in Parliament, for some reason everything's just fixed when the reality is actually it's nowhere near being sorted out. Um, but people seem to have been supportive about it. I think I had, I've had, i had a couple of negative comments um, from people on social media um, after I did some media around it. But I think, again, like although it was really upsetting when that happened, actually it made me realise that it's kind of we've got to do this even more so because people just don't understand eating disorders at all. Yeah, absolutely. And also any press is good press, isn't it? Because you're still raising yeah. awareness and even if somebody's commenting, it's then showing it to someone else. Yeah, that's true. To see it. Yeah. Um, so what's the next step, though? So obviously things are being debated right now and awareness is increased, but then how do we go forward with this and, and how can we get involved and help? Um, so what I'm asking people to do, if they're passionate about the campaign, whether they've had experience or whether um, they kind of know people who've been through similar things, Um, I'm asking them to contact their local MP and share their own personal story. And then the the plan is is that they'll contact me as well and the MP will send a letter to the minister asking him to look into this and kind of emphasising the need to do this sooner rather than later. So I think that's a massive one. Also, just people sharing the campaign on social media, talking about it to kind of friends and family and at work to kind of keep that message going out there. We're now on just over 64,000 signatures. Mm-hmm. But in order to get uh, it to the Prime Minister, we've got to get 100,000 signatures. So we've still got quite a big way to go with it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, the main thing I think at the moment is kind of sharing stories and talking about it. And if people want to contact me kind of directly about it, like you can find me on Twitter um as on hope as hope virgo or on my facebook authors page as well and actually if people want to do that then i can kind of send them briefings and bullet points and all of that sort of stuff as well okay so what happens next though if we get them to listen will we then um change the bmi scale and the criteria for someone being unwell or will they include i think what i want to see happen is i want to see more gp training around eating disorders so that when you go to your gp and say you're worried you've got an eating disorder um, or you're finding it difficult with food. They don't just say, oh, let's weigh you, we'll do that. They actually kind of look at your mental state as well. Yeah. So I think it's about, there's a whole thing around GP training. There's also um, a whole thing around actually 
the general kind of comms that will go out across the NHS making sure that the guidelines for BMI are being implemented properly and that people aren't getting judged on their BMI but it's more about that mental state again so I think those are probably the two main areas that will change yeah um I think they'll probably still do something around BMI but I'm hoping that it just won't be kind of as strict um and they'll actually look at the mental side too and focus more on the whole early intervention and prevention type thing as well that is amazing and I'm fully supporting you on that one I mean my my experience when I went to my GP and obviously it's, it's hard enough to admit you have a problem in the first place and I was like a young adult where you don't go to the doctors with your parents anymore and I was so scared to tell them that I actually went with my mum so it was such a big deal to actually go to the doctors in the first place. And then when I told them I thought I had a problem with food, they, they, she actually laughed at me and she said, you're making it up in your head. Stand on those scales. Look at you. You're a normal weight. There's no problem. God. You know, so I am with you on that one. very passionate about this. So that's why I really want to get this on air and get people signing petitions and sharing this all over the place. Yeah, no, that would be awesome. Thank you. There's one more thing I noticed on one of your videos you talked about after your first um, experience being in the hospital when you came out and were unwell again but couldn't get the help you felt suicidal and I noticed that you do do some work with um, suicide prevention as well yeah can you share a bit about that with us yeah sure so I do um, some work mainly with construction companies actually um, so construction companies have the highest rate of suicide kind of amongst industries and yeah, I think it's one of those areas of industries that don't seem to talk about mental health at all. It's quite macho. There's loads of guides in it. So what I aim to do, I guess, is talk really openly about suicide and actually make sure that people don't feel scared to use words like suicide. I think quite often people don't say suicide because they're scared about triggering people um, and they're kind of embarrassed that actually they got to that really low point where they were thinking about ending their life. Mm-hmm. So the work I do around that is... I guess talking about how I feel, but also talking about kind of the practical things that you can do when you feel that low and that unhappy to actually get yourself out of it. And also realizing that actually things like if you take medication and all of that, like it's totally fine to do that. And if that's for the treatment that you've been given, you shouldn't feel embarrassed about it. Where can we find more information about that work? Uh, so on my website, which is just www.hopevergo.com. Brilliant. And have you seen the film The Star is Born? Yes, I went. That's what I saw yesterday, actually. Oh, it's amazing. Did you cry? <laughs> I did. <laughs> My own crying in the cinema was brilliant. Yeah, it's so touching, isn't it? And just amazing film. Yeah, it was so good. A good, yeah. But yeah, it was good. It was very amazing. I didn't think it was going to be quite as emotional as it was. Mm, and such amazing um, singing on there as well. They're so talented. Yeah, I thought that I've got the soundtrack now, so just listening to it on repeat yeah, constantly. I've heard a lot of people that have done that as well. <laughs> All right, well, thank you.